0: So, this uh, statue over here represents Gangnam style, right. And the reason why this was built here is because the actual music video was filmed here with the background of the trade tower and coax. So, uh, you know, it means so much. We have three monuments dedicated to Gangnam uh, style in the district and this is one of them. Welcome to Gangnam.
1: for this 1995 rootless flight to Seoul. Please fasten your seatbelt and stay seated until the seatbelt sign is off. On behalf of your captain, Katrine Lünse, and the cabin crew, we wish you a pleasant flight. We have now reached our destination, Seoul. Hi guys, and welcome back to Rootless. You might already have guessed what this episode is going to be about from the little snippet in front of my intro. So the person you heard there is called Brian. Brian is an educator and he provides experience tours around Gangnam. I met up with Brian on a very cold, very beautiful and clear uh, Friday morning. Brian quite quickly duck out as an absolutely unique, friendly, and nice person. And as I said, he hosts these tours around Gangnam. He has two different tours, one during the day and one in the evening. If you're interested in any of these experiences, of course, the link will be in the show notes and I'll tell you more specific details after my interview. So I'm, as I said, I met up with Brian on a Friday morning and To be honest, I don't think either of us really had a plan. I probably had more of a plan than Brian had, but I didn't really have a good plan, let's be honest. But we met up in Gangnam to make it more authentic because I really wanted to hear about this area of Korea, which I think had a really big influence in making Korean culture more known worldwide. We found a quiet cafe and we started chatting and quite quickly it became lunchtime because we spent too long chatting and there were too many people in the cafe. And you'll hear this on the recording. You'll hear people in the background. You'll hear plates. You'll hear numbers being shouted out. So bear with us on that one. We then decided that it was too noisy. So Brian suggested that he show me around Gangnam, which was absolutely amazing. And Gangnam, because of Brian, has now become one of my favorite places in Seoul. So we had a walk around Gangnam. We went to a temple we saw a Buddhist statue I will put a link to everything of course in the show notes so if you are interested in either visiting or just reading more about it it will be in the show notes of course and after a while we had a sit down on a staircase with a very scenic beautiful view of old temple buildings and new Gangnam construction you'll hear birds peeping in the background you'll hear construction you hear maybe a few cars And some people walking by as well. I guess, you know, this is just the noise of a modern city. I think it adds to the atmosphere of of where we were and what we were talking about. So I hope you appreciate it as much as I appreciated this conversation. Originally, it was the plan that we were going to have a 40-50 minute interview about Gangnam. And Brian was going to sort of enlighten me about the history and the culture and what's special about Gangnam compared to other areas of Seoul. But after three and a half hours, we looked at each other and we looked at the time and we realized that we'd rambled on for quite a while. I've managed successfully to get all of this footage narrowed down into two separate half an hour, 40 minute episodes about Brian, about Gangnam. And this first episode is especially going to focus on Gangnam. So it's going to cover the history of Gangnam. Brian lived in the States for 10 years. And when he came back, he was an adult. So he kind of had two views of Gangnam, pre and post-US, um, and as a child and as an adult. And also, he's, he's had a break where he didn't see the extreme development that, that Gangnam underwent while he was away. So he has a very unique perspective and a very unique story about how he's seen these changes come about. We talk, of course, about Gangnam Style, the song. We talk about Korea and we talk about Koreans. So I'll just let you listen to that. I'm not going to give any more away. And as I said, I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did.
0: I mean, look at Korea back in the days. We were known for manufacturing. That's really led our industry and our country forward. Now, I mean, K pop, K beauty, the, the pop culture is really um, a booming industry in Korea. So that's um, uh, reforming, should I say, our, our um, economy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's incredible to see that your own culture becomes a global thing. I've, I've never... This, it feels so surreal to me having an experience living abroad mm-hmm. and what it was like for me to live abroad as a Korean when only thing that people knew about Korea is North Korea and missiles. And now I'm getting all these messages on um, social media from my friends Talking about K-pop, talking about learning Korean, and Korean food, I mean, it's amazing. It's just, I cannot, it's indescribable how I, how I feel, how proud I am um, to be part of the culture.
1: And it's happened so fast as well, I assume. because I mean, when did you come back from the U.S.?
0: So I came back to Korea in 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. And
1: do you feel like when you <clears throat> lived in the U.S., the, the common conception of Korea was North Korea? Was that the most thing you got?
0: Well, I, I guess um, people would say different things mm. depending on where you lived. But I lived in um, North Carolina, which is in the, in the South. And I love the place. But are not simply, there are not many Koreans there. So um, I remember some of the questions that I were asked in um, high school class, was like, are you from North Korea? You know, uh, what is it like there? <laughs> and, uh, and at the time, I didn't really speak English, so it was just a very frustrating communication. Yeah,
1: I can imagine.
0: <laughs> um, but I know that's different in 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 America and, and across the world. Mm. Um, and uh, for me. From what I remember, the turning point was the uh, Gangnam style. Um, That I vividly remember.
1: I vividly remember that. Yeah. So, so, do you feel like Gangnam style has been an accurate, not representation, but like a a boost of Korean culture?
0: Um, I definitely believe so. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, well, you know, I can I can only talk about my personal experience, right? Um, but at the time, I didn't even know about the song. I'm Korean. My friend, my American friends, <clears throat> came up to me. and said, "Brian, have you heard a song called Gangnam Style?" I'm like,
1: "Gangnam? Kind of, that's my Th- old neighborhood. Know, that's, that's
0: my that's where I'm from. Right? <laughs> <laughs> what, what? How do you know about that?" And they're like, "Well, there's a song came out, and it's called Gangnam Style. It's 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 hilarious." And I was like. Okay, let me listen to this song, and that's how I learned about it, right? Um, but just my American friends bring it, bringing that to my attention and letting me know, this is from from Korea. This is about your place. I, I, I never would have ever imagined that living in America to happen, and so yeah, I think so. I mean. With all the uh, clients, international clients that I've spoken with, uh, and I, it's more than a thousand by now. Wow! I only had one person who said they didn't know what Gangnam Style is, and so that tells you. I mean, that's probably the reason why they brought them to Korea, or mm-hmm. at least um, spark an interest of what Korea is all about. But even with that, it's that's to me that's amazing. That it's it's now a global theme where they know what Gangnam is. They know they know what Korea uh, where Korea is, and it's um, yeah. I totally think that it changed uh, people's perception of Korea.
1: And do you think like <clears throat> is the reason why you chose to do your tours in Gangnam? Is that also because of the song?
0: Actually, uh, not really. Well, so. The reason why I'm I'm stuck with Gangnam district is because you wouldn't find a whole lot of programs that explore the history and culture of Gangnam. You will find a lot of that in the northern part of Seoul, where there are a lot of palaces and historic monuments, Um, Hongdae, where a lot of young people go to party. I mean, those places, yeah, you'll find abundant opportunities to learn about Korea and about Seoul, but not in Gangnam as much. And that's how I started my, my program, because I wanted to provide that opportunity. And, uh, you know, I happen to be a local. I have, you know, a special connection to Gangnam area, uh, which. Is given to me, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't get to choose it. <laughs> but so.
1: Brian was born here, for anyone who doesn't know.
0: Yeah, I was born and raised here. So I wanted to bring that aspect as well. Um, because I've seen from very young how it changed over the years. Um, and I had the 10 year gap of living in America and coming back here um, to live as an adult. And that's a totally different experience. From growing up as a child. Yeah. So how do you find walk-in in Korea?
1: Walking around? Mm, is it love too it. much or I love it? Let's try to walk this way,
0: away from the construction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, walking down this way, I actually want to show you a big statue. Okay, So. Yeah. perfect. Yeah, and, and you know, this is why I love coming here. Mm-hmm. Because it makes me feel like I'm not in Gangnam anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and you don't even hear the traffic no. or not. And so it's such a uh, pleasant Ooh, shock. Wow. And that what you see to the right is the, the big statue that I wanted to show you. Wow, that's huge. And I recommend you coming here in the evening time because that's where all the this light, um, the spotlight behind the, tem- uh, behind the statue.
1: Brian, you have sold Gangnam to me.
0: Oh, hey. Absolutely.
1: I am I'm coming back. I, and it, it may even become one of my favorite areas. I think it's already kind of up there on the
0: list. Wow! The statue is actually the newest part of the temple. Yeah.
1: Oh, and we've got the the bell as well. I know,
0: right. So I I like coming here in the windy uh, weather because Uh you you hear that noise and Uh um, it just brings calm. My mind, but this the statue is the newest part of the temple. It was only built in 1996, Mm. which is a little bit younger than I am. (laughs) We are right, tad. Tad, yeah. But at the time, it was built wishing for the peace between North and South Korea. Oh, really? So we're still working on that, of course. Mm -hmm. But
1: work in progress.
0: It is. It is work in progress. But I. I love this place because um, you will find a lot of people praying here, um, even in late times, because um, it's open twenty-four hours. Mm-hmm. And so you come here at two a.m. in the morning, and you still see people pray. And um,
1: let's go over here and uh, have us. We can sit somewhere over here, maybe. Sure. And we can chat. So I really want to get back to the question, Brian, about um, about Gangnam and. You, how you explored it as a kid, and then when you came back ten years later, what did you feel like had changed?
0: Yeah, so um, you know it was interesting because they did have a big structures um, that I remember from back in the days, mm-hmm. and I'm talking about the rows, I'm talking about the blocks, but every little detail has changed,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so you know one of the things that I share with my clients. Uh, when they visit Gangnam is that um, Gangnam really represents the modern changes that we witnessed Mm -hmm. in Seoul and in Korea in modern era and I and I think my experience speaks to that Uh, I came back and I realized that my house that I was born and raised is gone Mm. and there's this new uh, skyscraper built um, in the same spot And a place that I take my clients to, which we call the Fashion Street, Mm -hmm. is still a fashion street, but you don't see a lot of Korean um, uh, fashion boutiques or Korean art galleries no more. You see all these international flagship uh, stores uh, built there uh, with millions and millions of dollars invested. So, Gangnam, you find a lot of constructions happen. Because the investments and, and renovations are very active in this area where all the money and all the power is um, centralized.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but at the same time, what that means to me is it loses a little bit of Koreanness that I used to see back in the times. And that I have to come in terms with. Of course, I'm a little bit disappointed because it's not the way it was back in the days. But I do appreciate those, you know, um, new designs. And, you, you know, you will see Gangnam is full of very adventurous and very, um, how to say this, progressive mm. buildings and designs. And and it's, it's incredible to see that, you know, um, for it to happen before your eyes, in front of your eyes. Um, so I like that but I, I miss those days, of course, where I used to play uh, on the streets with my friends and you don't see that space available no more.
1: Do you think that Gangnam has have to, have had to undergo this development after the song Gangnam Style came out? Or do you think it was way before that?
0: Well, I'm going to answer that question with a little bit of history. Um, So this
1: is where the guide in you comes up. I I know,
0: (laughs) you know, job, it's
1: just, ugh,
0: (laughs) yeah, but anyway, um, so we're talking about Gangnam started Mm -hmm. with being the new focus of power and the money. Um, It was very governmental driven at the time, we were talking about in the 1970s and early 1980s, and that's how Gangnam started. Before that, it was land of nothing. You didn't see anything. That's why we see a temple in the middle of the city. Because there was nothing here but the streams and the forests. Uh-huh. Um, which is not the case today, of course, as we see.
1: Clearly not.
0: But, um, so I think that really is the essence of the district where mm-hmm. um, you will always see the new changes happen so quickly, so fast. Um, Sometimes you come here um, after a few months and you don't even uh, recognize it because there are new shops coming through. It's very, very quick turnaround as well, Mm -hmm. um, especially in Gangnam uh, Station um, or Apgujong Rodeo Station area where you find a lot of shopping um, uh, places. So. Yeah, I think it happened, it was planned before Gangnam Style and of course it only um, accelerated after Gangnam Style with more um, people coming through.
1: Do you think it could have had the success that it has um, without this kind of Western modernization and Western import?
0: Do I think?
1: It It would have had the same, not success, but like it would have had the same attraction value.
0: Probably not, you know, I, I think, uh, I imagine as a local what it would have been like if it were not um, uh, not the center of you know, power and the money. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it would have been somewhat uh, more natural, you know, nature focused, mm-hmm. uh, but that's not what we see today, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, But you will find a very um, active effort in Seoul in general, including Gangnam, to step back and say, Hey, 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 you know, we've done a lot of development. We've, we've, we've been running fast. But but let's slow down and, and think what we have misstepped or what we have uh, skipped mm-hmm. because of the progress that we were trying to make. That's why you see um, Cheonggye, uh, Cheonggye uh, Stream, which is in front of the Kyungbukung Palace uh, to rebuilt.
1: Oh, the little like river.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. A little little stream that mm-hmm. used to be there back in the days, but they built, you know, high bridges, um, destroying the nature, uh-huh. and now they they are bringing it back um, to restore that you know um, the essence of, of the city, and we see those little moments uh, where we are saying, let's make make it more accessible, let's make it more. Um, of a place where people can actually live and, and breathe, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you see those efforts made nowadays.
1: Do you feel like when, you can't, when, when you're out with your clients and you're explaining mm. them about Korea, do you feel like they perceive Korea as a lot different from wherever they're from?
0: I think so. Um and I think there is definitely a how do I say this? Um a v vi- uh, a vision mm-hmm. or I don't want to call it a stereotype, but there is a, a type of a perception perception or a picture they already yeah. have which is not perfectly um uh same
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, with the reality, right? It's like me Thinking about America, watching Hollywood movies, right? And it's not. And you lived in America. I lived in America. The reality is a lot different. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there are places where it looks like Hollywood, but not all the places. And and so, um, I think there's that gap
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, uh, between uh, the imagination and the reality. But at the same time, I think they find hidden gems um, that they didn't expect. Uh, like this temple, like those um, uh, Korean food or street foods they go and, and explore um, and uh, the, the little interactions that they have with Koreans, mm-hmm. uh, with the locals. Um, and, you know, even yesterday, I heard from my client how kind Koreans are or they were to him
1: mm-hmm.
0: when they asked for help. And, you know, as a local, that's that's wonderful to hear because that's not um, an expectation, per se, to have. No. Um, You you don't know what what you're going to find, you know? (laughs) Um, So,
1: yeah. No, and and I think in general in Asia, it's really different where you go. Like when I went to China for the first time, after having lived in Korea for three months, Mm. I found the Chinese people rude Mm. because I was so used to Korean people being so calm, Mm. so friendly, so helpful. So it really is a thing that you meet here as a foreigner that just unexplicitly improves your whole stay. Because you feel welcome, and, and people are super, super open to explaining. And even if it's in broken English, they yeah. are super happy to just share their culture. And, and I really love that.
0: Yeah, and, and that's what I try to do, uh, with starting with myself. But mm-hmm. uh, but that doesn't mean that we don't have a room for improvement, of course. Um, so, you know, I just um, hope and I, I, and I work towards Korea being more welcoming and being more inclusive of of people from different backgrounds. Mm
1: -hmm. What do you think is the the biggest misconception you get from your your clients about Korea?
0: The biggest misconception? That's that's a fascinating question. Let me think about that a little bit. Um, The biggest misconception about Korea? I think the biggest misconception about Korea is actually the fact that... um, or the idea that Koreans speak perfect English.
1: I definitely had that one.
0: Right. Ignorantly
1: enough, but I did. Yeah. I, don't,
0: I don't know why. But, and I, you know, and I end up having a good conversation with them about it. Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes they tell me, oh, Koreans, they don't really speak English or they're not good at it. And I, I disagree. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, respectfully so. Because I believe that they know quite a lot of um, English. You know, I had a lot of, I have a lot of um, friends who are younger than I am because I joined the military pretty late Mm -hmm. and so all of my bunkmates in the military were seven or eight years younger than I was. So at times they come to me and say, hey, I'm taking this um, I'm taking Sunung, the, um, the college entrance exam, mm-hmm. and there's this English section, would you help me out? And I look at their um, you know exam materials, and I realize this is even harder than uh, what I took in an America. Mm. And that's so surprising, right, because, yeah, yeah I got so many questions wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I was supposed to help them out, but I was like, oh. Sorry, I was wrong, (laughs) you know? But I guess what I'm trying to say is that we learn English as a subject, not a language uh, in public school or in school in general. So what happens is they probably understand what you're saying but they don't really know how to speak it Mm -hmm. because we don't really learn or practice how to speak English. So when it comes down to it, altogether they say with a big X mark they say no English Yes, but in reality they probably know what you're what you're saying mm-hmm. and I think that's that's different right that's yeah. not that they don't uh, they don't know English mm-hmm. but um, they're a bit reserved a bit shy add to the fact that they don't know how to s- respond or mm-hmm. speak English um, that ends up being the misconception um, that oh Koreans they don't really speak english yeah
1: i think that this has actually been on all my my podcasts until now this this topic of really? of the english level in korea mm. and i think it's really interesting but i think it just comes down to the fact that you're saying that they in korea you learn english as a subject you learn english to pass a test so you can get into a good college
0: right right and i i bet there is the um, consistency of people talking about it right yeah, in that way right yeah. uh, english being um just treated like a single subject or mm-hmm. or, 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 a, or a test right? yeah mm.
1: but i i mean it's interesting because it's 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 just different from country to country so mm. in france it's the same But I think the world generally has a stereotype of France, being they don't like to speak English Mm, and they just want to speak French. So when people go to France, they expect that. But when it comes to Korea, they don't expect that. And Mm. from the outside world, we hear about this technological super powerhouse like Samsung and, you know, like it's like exploded the economy in like half a century. And Mm. like people are super educated and, you know, You know the whole tale. Yeah. And then we come and we expect them to... We expect Koreans to match that with their English. Mm. And then when you you speak to the street food lady on the corner of the street (laughs) and she doesn't just blurp out in English. That's... I think that's where the common misconception is as well.
0: I think so. And and, you know, we're surrounded by countries like Singapore Mm -hmm. or the Philippines where they speak fluent English um, mm-hmm. and and maybe that's another thing that they kind of expect uh, that out of Korea But I have to tell you if you go to places especially <laughs> restaurants uh-huh. That they don't speak English You know you are at the right place because yes. that's as local as it can get yes, So right. I encourage everyone to go to places that they don't have English menu <laughs> unless you have allergies and um oh
1: yeah you know, yeah, yeah or uh, you're vegetarian or vegetarian
0: <laughs> that's that's a big thing in korea right if <laughs> you don't have a lot of vegetarian options so no. um so yeah yeah
1: i always do that and i love it and i have um i have two strategies for this either i go in and i just point at something yeah i look at the price <laughs> i'm like oh yeah like 11 12 000, one that sounds good and i point at that and uh and i just see whatever i get and right. i just take it and i try it and it's always good, because yeah. Korean food is delicious, <laughs> or I use the, the Google Translate application where you can like take a picture of Hangul, the Korean letters, and, yeah, and right. it just translates it for you.
0: Right, right. Thankfully, um, all of my clients, oh well, majority of my clients say that, yes, there were challenges mm-hmm. um, with English, but they didn't really find a whole lot of troubles getting around Korea, so that's that's nice to hear.
1: Yeah. Um, Korea is definitely very accessible Yeah, yeah. In, in terms of the subway system, the bus and the, the train, it's super mm. I mean, I have never experienced a subway system like the, the Seoul one. Oh really? Yeah, mm. it is the cleanest, the most reliable and timely punctual system I've ever experienced
0: okay. I like Danish ones too but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but we're not as well connected at all
0: Oh, you mean like the with the other parts Mm. of the... yeah.
1: With the other part of the country. And I mean, the Korean transportation system is just a lot newer. That's the reality of it, which is why it's so good.
0: And cheaper. Yeah, it's very cheap. Yes, I'm spoiled.
1: I saw this commercial on the bus um, that... Oh, you've seen it? I've
0: seen it, I've seen it.
1: (laughs) That the price of the bus and the, the subway and the trains are the same as they were I want to say 10 years ago or something? Yeah, yeah I'm not really sure how, how many exact years it was because my career is not that great. But um, I thought it, that was really fascinating because the, the, the subway prices and the public transportation prices in general go up every single year mm. in Europe.
0: I can, I can I, yeah, I experienced that. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, this is so expensive. <laughs> no, we are walking today, you know. <laughs> but I guess in Korea, the accessibility is, is, is really a core element mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if it's a transportation it doesn't matter if it's um internet accessibility is mm-hmm. is what we um care so much about mm-hmm. so even though the transportation uh, company uh it's actually a public um organization lose money every year it's in a big deficit really mm-hmm um, yet the the price of the uh, the the transportation fare is is, is, br- is very stable should I say
1: it is very stable um,
0: so that's why you see millions of people going in and out of Seoul every day um, and it's very meticulous um, system, very so. I, I have to say so
1: so that's definitely one thing if you do want to come here as a tourist it's like um, it's a big advantage
0: right right mm. do you see that I with agree. your clients? Um, being an advantage. No, that far. that
1: they kind of appreciate the the public transportation
0: system. Here. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that's that's probably one of the um, things that they mention the most mm-hmm. about is the transportation mm. and how convenient it is and how clean it is um, and and they ask me how mm-hmm. and the answer is I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I I sometimes even question how much of a work that goes into Mm -hmm. uh, to make it you know, that clean and that um, organized, but I mean,
1: I sometimes see, see cleaners in the subway cleaning the ceiling, you know, like and you're just like I don't think this the ceiling in the Paris metro has ever been cleaned. Mm. So, you know, it's it's remarkable. And I, and I think it changes the whole experience of public transportation.
0: Absolutely. And uh, in your lifestyle as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. And I know you probably already answered this, but I'm just going to go through, the, through that with you one more time because it's more quiet out here. What made you create your Gangnam Tours?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. The reason why I wanted to um, create um, an experience program in Gangnam Mm -hmm. is because I recognize that there is such a um, such a rich history and Uh and culture um, here in this district and I wanted to share that with the global family um, when a lot of those learning opportunities are focused on the northern side of Seoul uh, where all the palaces and historic monuments are but as a local You know, I have my personal experiences witnessing all the changes it went through. And, um, you know, why not learn about an area where it's more than just Gangnam style, right? And I'm sure even today, you know, Mm -hmm. um, having you here in, in, in this region, I'm sure there are things that you have noticed that you may have not um, imagined before.
1: No, and as we um, talked about, this is my first time in Gangnam, so... Yeah. Well, I was at Gangnam Station, but I, I've never been here. I've never seen any of the things that you've showed me today. Right,
0: so, so I, I wanted to show that, and and also the ins and outs of it, the contrast of the past and the present, mm-hmm. uh, because that's what I like to show um, of of my neighborhood. So, yeah.
1: And what, what do your clients generally expect when they come for your tour? Because I th- what I expected, sorry, was like buzzing business district. And I turned up and it was quite calm.
0: That's exactly what my clients expect to see. Very vibrant, energetic, um, all these people and crowd, crowd, mm-hmm. uh, uh, so to speak. But when I show uh, the, the side of Gangnam, where it's very calm and peaceful and um, relaxing compared to other popular areas like Myeongdong or Itaewon and Hongdae. Um, they find it... Uh, they're pleasantly shocked, should mm-hmm. I say. And so, yeah, and, and there are parts where they expect like, uh, how to say this, very fancy or um, bling bling, should I say, <laughs> parts of the uh, the district. So, um, yeah, they, they find Somewhat what they expected, but also totally th- the different side of Seoul or different side of Gangnam.
1: And you're a part of kind of promoting that, right? Yeah. By doing your tours. Of
0: course, of course. Um, you know, I'm an educator um, by heart. And I've, when I first started this, um, I didn't really think of this as an education, creating educational moments. But now I see it that way. Um, it's a cultural learning opportunity mm-hmm. um, where I connect people from um, culture to culture and I um, take a big pride to that and I try to um, show and, and, and guide my guests and my clients um, to the best experience they can have in Korea and feel acclimated enough to go on their own adventure after that. So. Yeah, I am a, I'm very um, happy with that.
1: I mean, I, I think learning culture is equally as important as learning languages, as learning math, as learning geography. It is a huge part of the world and, and something that's, I think, much more interesting than some of the subjects we learn in school.
0: <laughs> right, we're the uh, rebels, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So that was my conversation with Brian. Before I say anything else, I'm just going to tell you how great of a tour guide Brian is and how wonderful of a person. If any of you is interested in experiencing Gangnam, if you go on Airbnb and search for Walk Gangnam by Moonlight, you'll be able to find his evening tour and you can see his profile and see whatever else he offers. If you're interested in following Brian, you can do so on Instagram. You can jump on to Brian underscore in underscore Korea. Or actually, he also has an exciting project in the making. And if you want to follow that from the grassroots, jump on to Ita, that is I-T-T-A, underscore Korea, and you can follow him from the beginning of this exciting project. Anything else will be in the show notes. You can click on that. I'll link to everything that Brian and I discussed during the episode. And for next time, Brian will be back with a more personal angle so you guys can get to know him. One of the things that struck out with me was when I first had correspondence with Brian. Because one of the first things he said was, I've been on your website and I saw that you're a feminist and I would love to speak to you about that because so am I. And I thought, this is wonderful, I need to speak to this guy. Which is which probably explains why we chatted for three and a half hours, even though we were only scheduled to speak for an hour. Um, But to be honest, we could have sat there on those stairs for probably another few days, and chatted further about it. Anyway, that will be next episode. That will be released after Christmas. So until then, stay tuned, stay warm, and stay safe.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard this
1: 1995 rootless flight to Seoul. Please fasten your seatbelt and stay seated until the seatbelt sign is off. On behalf of your captain, Katrina Lunze, and the cabin crew, we wish you a pleasant flight. We have now reached our destination, Seoul.